Thank you guys for coming tonight. Hey, Melissa, how you doing? Thank you guys for, hey, Joe. <laughs> I love you, Joe. Joe was waving at me, that's why I said hi to him. I'm, uh, I'm excited about what the Lord is doing and is saying to us as a people and how he is leading us. Uh, and I'm very grateful for each and every one of you. Mike and I were just talking the other day. How grateful we are for the people that God is bringing to do the work that he wants accomplished in this season. And uh, we're so grateful for you. We're so encouraged by your life, by your words, by how you're pressing in to God. This is, this is a family doing this together, right? This isn't just a leadership team pressing into the Lord. This is a family pressing into the Lord together. And it's amazing to see how the Holy Spirit is drawing our hearts together in this season. I just want to encourage you in this season. You, I just feel like the Lord speaking to us that we are all priests before him. We are all his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works Deny the lie, reject the lie that says, oh, I'm, I'm not created for, for like the real good works. I might just do like some, some small things, but I'm not created for big things. Deny that. That is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. It is all of us together linking arms as a family bringing glory to God. Amen? I've had to deny that lie in my life. I feel that lie. I feel the whispers of it, of... Oh, you couldn't be used by my glory like this person or like this person or like this person. And it's not that we compare ourselves to others, but we go, no, you've made me uniquely, placed me in my generation in this season. Now, here I am, send me. Here I am, use me. So I just, I feel like that's a constant battle that we have to wage in the spirit. It's a constant we have to constantly reject that we are not inadequate, that we are not ill, that, that God, like, we're not the, the, the lesser than. No, we're his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're literally the, the trophy he wants to put on display to, so that he would receive glory. Is that speaking to anyone? Do you guys know what I'm talking about, about denying that lie that says, oh, God can't use me? Amen. Well, not amen that you struggle with it, but amen that I'm not alone and that we're pressing in together. So, so tonight, uh, I just kind of opened the service with this, but uh, some of us weren't here. So the theme that we feel like God has placed, us, placed on our heart for tonight is this theme of standing strong in the Lord. It, it's found all over the scriptures. We were going through them on Tuesday. And this theme was on Mike's heart. This theme was on my wife's heart. This theme was on um, uh, Lynn's heart in, in the prayer room. And we were all praying into this theme of standing before God or standing strong in the Lord. Or in the Hebrew, in the Greek, what, what, or in the Hebrew, what we know as stand in the Greek, in the Hebrew, it's arise. Arise and shine. 
for your light has come and the glory of the Lord will rest upon you. And so sometimes we need to take that initial place of standing and we're sitting and we need to arise. We need to get up. We need to get off the mat. And we need to begin to stand in the strength of the Lord and in His might. And so that's the, that's the theme that was on our heart. And we're just going to kind of go through that a little bit. Um, we feel it in three places. Where we live, where we work, and where we play. That we need to be standing. That we need to be engaging in the battle for Jesus. I'm using that language because that's how Paul you know, he, he marries stand with the Lord and he, and he says, and take up the whole armor of God. So the standing part of it, it's not the full revelation, but part of it is about engaging in the battle that God has given you. And, and with that, we need it all. We need the whole armor, right? <laughs> we don't need half the armor. We don't need a little bit of the armor. We don't need to go like, well, I'm pretty good with faithfulness. I'm pretty good with truth, but the sword of the spirit thing yeah, that, that's kind of confusing. I don't really need that. No, we need to press in and taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Watching and being prayerful at all times. And Oh, I'm, you know, I'm good, at the, I'm good at the Word thing, but I'm not too good at the prayer thing. No, we need to press into the prayer thing as well. Oh, I'm good at the prayer thing or the Word thing, but the helmet of salvation thing, like I... I don't really take my thought captive. No, we need to put on the helmet of salvation. We need to think the way God is asking us to think. Amen? And so, I, just, I do want to start out with, with a dream that I had last night. And uh, I shared it with our leadership team this morning. I, I'm not a dreamer. I mean, how often, Rachel, do I get up and say, man, I had this dream that the Lord gave me. <laughs> Once every five years. You know, it's like, I just don't dream. And so when I, when I do, maybe I need to declare something else over myself. Okay, I am a dreamer because the Lord gave me a dream and he's going to give me more dreams. Okay, all right. It's <laughs> Mike said, so there's that prophecy in Acts chapter 2 and in Joel where it says, I will pour up my spirit on, on all flesh. Your young men shall, shall, shall see visions and your old men will dream dreams. He said, it's the old men that dream dreams. That's yeah, hilarious. But I had a dream last night, and, it, and it's kind of sobering. It, I woke up with, with a feeling of, oh, no. And I knew that feeling of, oh, no, was that I was to pray into this, that I was to seek the Lord for the opposite that was in this dream, okay? So this dream can feel a little weighty, but I don't want it to feel discouraging. I want you to set your place into that we have a good father, and when he sees something that's negative that's going to hurt his children, we have a good commander, we have a good general that's leading an army, and when he sees something that's going to take out the army, what does he do? He warns the troops. He goes through the ranks, and he says, hey, this isn't adequate. We need to, we need to stand up. We need to make ourselves ready. We need to be strong in this season because we have a strong enemy, Okay? And so, so that's what this dream kind of did for me. And I'm just going to share it. And I'm going to um, share some verses of standing that I feel the Lord was highlighting out of it. And then, uh, and then we're just going to talk about 
doing this where we live, both in our home and in our neighborhoods, doing this where we work, and doing this where we play, where we have recreation. I'm thinking of if you have a kid on, on a soccer team or on a hockey team or on a football team, and those neighbors that are on the sideline right next to you, what are we doing with that recreational time that we're experiencing? Are we standing for the Lord? So the dream went like this. It's not too long. It said, in my dream, I was a part of an army on the beach. And so there were, there were cots and, and everyone was in camo gear and there were weapons and, and there were those, those camouflage tents that kind of like there's holes in them. I only see them in like, you know, war movies. I don't really know what I'm talking about here. But so in my dream, I was a part of an army and we were on a beach. I think that was uh, significant. There was a word that Mike had in 2014 and it was we were to take... I'm 2016. Sorry, you had a word in 2014, but that wasn't this one. Um, no, actually, what I'm going to talk about is probably about 18 months ago, a year ago, 18 months ago. A word came forth of take the beachhead, take ground for the Lord back from the enemy. Think of Normandy and the Allied troops taking the beachhead at Normandy away from the Nazis. That's That's when they said the war was won. It was only a matter of time once the beachhead was taken and there was established a stronghold on the coast that the Allies would have amassed enough force to finally get to Berlin and overcome. So the beachhead's very important, okay? We had a word. It's, it was take the beachhead, and then once we take the beachhead, establish the perimeter, all right? I feel like what my dream is about to speak into is that establishing the perimeter, okay? So we were, I was a part of an army. We were on a beach. The beachhead was taken. And what I felt in the dream was the army was waiting for a battle that was coming their way from the ocean. And when I would look out into the ocean in the dream, it was, it was full of darkness, but it was like a darkness that was alive, and, and I felt its presence coming in the dream. And it, and it was like, oh, it wasn't like a, oh, we got this, we, you know, we'll overcome. It was like, oh, this is serious. We need to get ready. And I just wrote down, I remember a thick darkness that was over the ocean, and it was heading our way. And this was the onslaught of the enemy. This was the battle that was coming our way. Though the battle was coming the army was not preparing themselves as they should. So as I looked at the army, I heard them asking themselves this question, and you might laugh, but it says, they were saying to each other, hey, what movie are you watching? Hey, what show are you watching right now? And I also felt, or I heard, kind of in dreams, you don't don't know if you're feeling it or hearing it, but they were saying that they didn't want to think about the battle that was coming and they just wanted to get their minds off of it. So it was, that, it was that they were asking each other the question, hey, what are you watching? How can I take my mind off of the battle that is coming? They were trying to distract themselves because of the seriousness of what was coming. I also remember that they were distracted by what they were eating and what they were drinking. They weren't necessarily drunk, but they were distracted with what they were eating 
and with what they were drinking. I re- this was weird, but they were trying to like cook this salmon. Like everyone had like this salmon recipe that they were trying to make. And they were digging holes in the ground and they were like putting hot coals in the ground and they were covering these salmon and putting them in the ground and letting them like cook for a long time. And everyone was like so excited about cooking this salmon and, and about what they were watching and what they were drinking. And I just, you know, I remember in the dream going, this isn't good. This isn't good. Because darkness is coming. The battle is coming and they're not preparing themselves. They're not getting ready. And, and the whole platoon, the third thing, so it was, it was darkness was coming, and the three things that the army were doing is they were, they were asking them, they were trying to distract themselves by entertainment. They were distracting themselves by this salmon recipe. I don't know why it was salmon. <laughs> we like salmon in our family. Maybe the Lord's trying to speak to me. He's definitely trying to speak to me. And... And the third thing was, though, that they were all lying down on their cots. So they would kind of get up to, to kind of make sure their salmon was okay, to ask each other what they were watching, and then they'd go lay back down on their cots and just try to, like, go to sleep after that. They weren't on their feet. They weren't standing. They weren't ready for action. And I remember thinking... This is not how we should be preparing for the darkness that is coming to try to take the beachhead. So that parent, like, take the beachhead, Mike heard about 18 months ago. I feel like there's an encouragement in this dream that a beachhead has been taken. Enemy territory has been, has been taken for Jesus, for his kingdom, for his glory. But the perimeter to secure that beachhead hasn't been established. And there's a spirit of apathy and a spirit of distraction that is trying to uh, lull us to sleep so that the enemy can take the beach. So when I woke up, I was sharing this with the leadership team. And as we were praying through this, uh, I want us to turn to Luke chapter 21, verses 34 through 38. And I'll just say this verse, and then we're going to talk about doing this, like, establishing the perimeter in our families, establishing the perimeter in our workplace, establishing the perimeter in our, in our recreation. Luke chapter 21 says this. I'm just going to turn to it myself in my own Bible rather than reading it off the Google Doc. Jesus says, watch yourself. Now, this instruction of watch yourself is coming after Jesus has described the greatest hour of tribulation that the earth will ever walk through, okay? So it's a sober warning. We need to hear the sobriety of Jesus. He's just sat you down. You've asked him about his return. He told you before his return, it's going to be the hardest season the earth has ever known. And he's going to say, and you're going to have to endure to make your way through this. You're going to have to not love your life unto death. And in that endurance, there's going to be great joy. There's going to be great salvation. You're going to lift up your head because your redemption is coming, but it's not going to be easy. That's the the posture of heart that the disciples were in when Jesus was speaking this. So I just kind of want to bring some context to that. 
He says, but watch yourself, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation that is like overindulgence. It's like, it's like the hangover. It's like I was, I was too excessive in my eating and in my drinking, and I feel sick from it, okay? That's dissipation. He said, watch yourself. Let your hearts be weighed down by dissipation and by drunkenness and by the cares of this life. He says, and that day, if, if these things are active in your life, he says, that day will suddenly come upon you like a trap. Now, the opposite is also true. If we watch ourselves and free ourselves from the spirit of the age, from the cares of this world, that we're not so focused, but we're seeking first the kingdom of heaven, then that day isn't going to surprise us like a trap. We're going to be ready for the day of testing. We're going to be ready for the hour of testing. But the warning, the negative, is if we don't watch, if we don't stay alert. It was that army on the, be- on the beach. They were just in their cots. They were trying to go to sleep. That darkness that was coming from the ocean was going to take them like a trap. Okay? Jesus says this, For it will come upon the, all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. We need to know that. There's a season of shaking coming to everyone. Now, if it's not this exact day, then we're all going to experience a shaking in our life, right? He says, but you, my disciples, my faithful ones, those who have walked with me, those who have been with me, he says, but you have to stay awake at all times. Not just one season, every season of your life. Not just one generation of the church, every generation of the church is called to stay awake, praying that you might have strength to escape. The better word there, the better understanding of escape is endure. Jesus talks about enduring all throughout this passage. That you may have strength to escape or endure all these things that are going to take place. And here's where the stand comes in. And to stand before the Son of Man. Do we have a vision of standing before Jesus in that day and being well-pleasing to him. I love what Elijah the Tishbite says. He comes on the scene. You haven't heard anything of Elijah in the Bible yet, okay? The first declaration of who he is in Acts, I'm sorry, Acts, way before Acts. In 1 Kings 17, Elijah says, I'm Elijah the Tishbite. He presents himself to Ahab and he says, who stands before the God of Israel? Meaning, I stand in the place of intimacy. I stand in the place of intercession. I stand and I'm girding myself to listen to the voice of the Lord. I love how that describes Elijah. I remember reading that and seeing that when I was young going, oh, I want to stand before you. It would say of the priests, they weren't allowed to sit before the Lord. They were to stand before him and minister and serve and burn the offering of incense before him. But there was a standing in the presence of of God that is required. So, I won't go into any other verses. I'll just mention quickly, the other verse that was, that was impacting me from this dream is that they wanted to take their minds off of the war that was coming, off of the battle that was coming. And I just heard the Lord say as I was thinking about that, the Romans ate the mind that is set on the flesh, it produces death. 
but the mind that is set on the Spirit, it produces life and peace. I wonder if that army would have been on the battlefield going, I don't want to take my mind off of the enemy through entertainment. I want to take my mind off of the enemy through setting my mind on the Spirit. So, so I know that's kind of weighty. I think it should be a little weighty. It's weighty for me. I, I feel a warning in this personally. I feel a warning in this in my family. There are things in my family that I'm like, oh, we need to, we need to check some of these things, right? You guys feel the same thing when you read that dream? I'm not taking myself out of the warning. I'm saying let's respond to the warning by setting our minds on the Spirit, by standing up in the presence of the Lord, and by living a life worthy for Him. So, so one thing that we, we just felt these three areas, our homes, our workplaces, and our places of, rec- of recreation. And so I'm just going to have, uh, uh, I'm going to speak into this. I'm going to have my wife share something. I'm, I'm going to have Tracy talk about. We're just going to talk about the home for a second, okay? Um, something that the Lord has been speaking to Rachel and I is this idea of really opening up our home that our home would be a refuge for the Lord in our community. Now, I want to preference this by saying I have not done this well in my life, okay? I've been a little selfish with my house. It's been my place where, you know, you kind of drive home and the neighbor is across the street and he's working in the yard and you kind of slip into the garage and you're just like, like, oh, I need to focus on my family. I don't need to focus on my neighbor. Does anyone know who I'm talking about? Has anyone fallen into that rut? It's very easy in America to fall into that rut because we live such separate suburban lives. But as I was moving from the Springs to, to Castle Rock, I, we just moved to Castle Rock, I felt a, uh, a gentle conviction from the Lord. I felt that reproof that, that Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's like the word of God, it's good for that conviction. It's good for that reproof. It's good for that correction. I was feeling corrected by the Lord. I was driving out of my neighborhood, and I was feeling that I did not take this neighborhood for Jesus. I did not do a good job of getting to know my neighbors and getting in their lives. I would help them every now and again. I would serve them every now and again. I would, I would, I would make myself available, but I wasn't strategically asking God, Lord, bring revival to my neighbor's homes. Lord, use me over coffee, over dessert, over meals, to speak into their life the, the word of the Lord. And so, Rachel and I, and the, really the Lord began to speak to Rachel a couple of months ago about, about this and about radical hospitality and about opening up our home to no matter, who's, no matter who our neighbors are. If there's a lesbian couple, opening up our home to them, saying, come over for lunch. We want to get to know you. I'm just thinking of, of, of the fears that I had in thinking about this. So I'm just giving you kind of like my fears. Like, what if there's this? No, you're going to open up your home. And so, so uh, in, in moving, we've just kind of made a commitment to one another that we're going to do this, that we are going to get to know our neighbors. We're going to invite them into our home for meals. And we are going to look for opportunities to share the gospel, to st- Tell them what the Spirit is saying in this season. 
but also to show real friendship and godly kindness to them. And so, um, and so this last week, during outreach, um, we, we began this. We, we've gotten kind of settled, and, and we've met a few neighbors, but, but I w- took a group downtown to minister downtown. But I want Rachel to come up and just, just share what you did in our, in our neighborhood. Okay, phase one of our <laughs> encountering our neighbors. Um, I just felt like during outreach, I wanted to go to each one of my neighbors, introduce myself, and just really take time to get to know them. So it took about two hours, and I just really went door to door and introduced myself and gave them my cell phone number. And um, no, I didn't go empty handed. I took food and and gave them cookies and stuff like that. And I, I came away and I said, Marcus, now we know how to pray. Like, I feel like now I know all their names. I know exactly, well, I know the, initially how to pray for each neighbor. And so I was like, oh, this is awesome. This gives me strategy to get to know them more and to pray for them. So something we felt like from that, we're just going to start praying and seeing the open doors that God gives us in our neighborhood. Um, we want to invite church people over. We want to bring that with, with, with our neighbors. And, and we want to, we actually want to, what we're asking the Lord is use our home to make disciples. Use our home to save. Use our home to deliver. Use our home to mature those around us. And I'm praying for revival just in six homes right now. I just kind of want to focus on that cul-de-sac until the Lord leads us out of that. But in this thing of family, Tracy, why don't, why don't you come up? And Tracy's going to speak on, okay, I spoke on like establishing and standing for the Lord in, in the neighborhood. But he's just going to share some about standing for the Lord in the four walls of our home. Yeah, no, thanks, Marcus. Maps kind of, before I, man, before I jump into the, yeah, where we live, the family, I know we're, we're short on time. I just want to confirm, I just want to confirm this, um, I just want to confirm the stand word, and I hadn't heard this until Mike and Marcus shared it with me, and, and yesterday it started, but I had a dream on the 22nd of September, and um, that was a Monday night. I remember telling Mike about this dream on the Tuesday morning. We worked out on Tuesday morning, I think, that week, but um, it was a short dream, so I'll make it quick. I had a dream as I woke up this morning. It was Deborah riding on a horse. It was like on a beach. I don't know how else to explain it, but it was like a beach, and there was water in the background. Um, but there was a lot of sand, and, and it was Deborah riding. And it almost reminded me, I thought, man, it almost looked like the Pony Express. My angle and where she, and there was like saddlebags hanging off of the, the horse, et cetera. And then I woke up. And then and, um, I woke up, or I, I kind of rolled over, and I started to talk to the Lord, and he started to speak, and he said several things. He says, I have filled the seat of Supreme Court justice with a warrior that will stand for what is right, not who is right. My mind raced back to last Friday, and I woke up a little further at this point. On Friday, 9-18, on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, um, when uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg had passed away. So I'm thinking all of this, and then I said, and then I, I continued to talk to the Lord, and then I thought back to myself that seat hasn't been filled yet, and I didn't know if I was dreaming that or I was asking the Lord or I was actually awake and speaking this, but I felt like 
man, that seat hasn't been filled yet. The Lord went on to speak. She will stand in the face of fear, for she does not fear man. She will stand on the words of the founding fathers. And then the Lord continued to speak. The courage and strength I have placed in this one is of great measure. Again, he spoke. She will speak for those who do not have a voice. And then he said one last thing. She will stand on the word of God. And, um, and four days later, um, Trump, obviously, uh, Amy Coney Barrett was nominated for the Supreme Court justice. So, and I've been really, really stirred since this dream and um, not so much for Amy and some of the governmental processes, which I think are all speaking something. And I believe everything in this dream is true and everything the Lord spoke is true. She, um, she is a Deborah. <laughs> She's a Deborah. Uh, and, and to make a long story short, I've been convicted of the church and the message to the church in this dream, which is we have to stand. Like we're in a war. I don't know if you've looked around, but we're in a war. And for some reason, the Christian faith is, the, uh, you know, I'm not speaking against the church or speaking. I'm just saying over all the Christian churches, it said, hey, we have to be the nice ones. We have to be the Christian ones. We have to be the, man, you look throughout Scripture, there are some radical things that took place in the book of the Bible. So I just want everyone just to, if nothing else, just please be convicted in your heart. Um, speak to the Lord, talk to the Lord, and see what he tells you about where to stand in your place of influence, where to stand in your journey and in life. Amen? The home, yes, come on, where we live. Um, super important. Um, my wife, just to preface this all, it, it's I, I, sometimes I, we get up here and I think we give the highlight reels. That's why I just so appreciate Marcus and his humility to say, I mean, behind every highlight reel, there's at least 20 failures, guaranteed, so. Don't feel like we're getting it all right or hitting it all on the head. And my wife is way, like, even in our home, like, I'm not there every day, and I get that. Some of the things I did, though, is as the head of the house, and the, and the word says that you're head, not the tail. And uh, we are to lead our homes as fathers and as mothers as well, um, obviously. And the word says to raise your children up the way they ought to go, so when they get old, they do not turn back. And so for us, anyway, when they were young, that looked like I remember every morning when they would have breakfast, and, um, and it is about staying. It's Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, and I would really get into it. We, I'd tell, like, little boy stories when they were little before they go to bed, and they were all fun. And so, like, I would really get into some of these stories, but I would actually pull out props in my snowmobile boots for the boots of, you know, peace and all these other things. But we, I would walk them through every morning as they were eating breakfast, and I would actually, you know, dramatically put on the armor, uh, all, all parts of it. And, um, and so it could just look as something that is that simple, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, where it says, I think six or seven times stand. And it says when you can't stand anymore, continue to stand. And there's something about standing in faith, and I know Mike might share some of this, but um, we were in the back and, and just praying um, earlier, and, and, and just everywhere stand was there was something about faith and the Lord delivering something or 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 breakthrough coming through the Lord when we stood whenever there's stand firm stand and in faith many places in faith there was breakthrough Lord brought breakthrough in those moments so once again I think Mike will share that the other thing we did as the girls grew up and I don't know some of you look I know some of you or beyond that, and you have kids that are out of your house now, but um, I think what we speak is so powerful, and I'll end with this.
Uh, the power of life and death is in the tongue and what we speak. So, um, yeah, be careful what you say. Be careful what you speak. Sometimes it's out of ignorance, but we say things that we probably shouldn't. And I'll be the first to raise my hand that I said some things. And, you know, I live in a house full of girls, and I always say I'm a minority in a sorority. And, um, and, uh, and I have to, yeah, there's some estrogen in our house. And so as, as a guy and one that played football and then played professional rugby, I, I, I tend to, like, rub a little dirt in it, right? And, yeah, that doesn't always work so well with girls in your house always, unless you have some that are a little more tomboyish. But um, we would speak over our kids. We would just, we were like, hey, Lord, um, I know how I feel about our children, like Nikki as well. Um, we know how we feel about our children, and we're kind of biased because they're our children, and all of our children are cute, and they're the smartest, and they're all these things. But, but Lord, what do you have to say? What do you say about our children? So we would we would just hear the Lord and listen to the Lord, and before they go to bed, we would speak what the Lord was speaking over them. I can tell you this. We had a revival in our family. We had a revival in our family. We, there was a six- to 12-month window where it broke out, and it was Holy Spirit pandemonium. We had six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds having, like, life-directional changing dreams, and dreams where they were they would see people at school. I mean, we would get... This is when we, before we started homeschooling, we had one, we got a message and we're like, um, and we thought she was in trouble, our Safara. And they went on to say, well, yeah, she's laying hands on people and they're, when they're getting hurt on the playground and she's laying on hands on them and praying. And we're like, <laughs> they're, they're saying, hey, she can't be doing this. And we're and like, I think they're like wanting to bring it up because they're concerned. And Nikki and I are in the background going, yes, yes, yes. Uh, and, uh, and the, the beauty of it was they were getting healed, which was awesome. There, uh, and writing essays, we would go to t- parent teacher conferences and the things inside these, they're talking about the things that we were speaking or what God was speaking over them, like, or the dreams they had that, you know, and how people were getting healed and how, I'm telling you, if you release this over your home and you continue to speak life, and I love what Marcus just shared, when we speak the things of the Spirit, those are of life and of abundance. And when we speak of the flesh, we speak death, right? And I paraphrased and gave my own emphasis there. But, yeah, speak life. And that's the way it is in our home. You guys know that I, I operate in the workplace as well. There's one thing I'd say. If you, off, you know, afterwards, whatever, feel free to reach out to me at any time. In your workplace, if you want to navigate your workplace and you want to navigate how to release the kingdom of God in your workplace, let's chat. You know, if you're a smaller company, there's a little more freedom. I get that. Uh, we have a startup, so it's a little more freedom for what I have. If you're in a larger company, go to your HR people and say, hey, I want to ERG, an employee resource group, and I want to put an application in for a, a prayer group. Start there. Where two or more are gathered, find one other believer. That's all you need. And start it. Start somewhere. Don't despise small beginnings. Amen. I think you heard a lot. I'm just going to just say a few quick things, and then I want to make sure we break into groups tonight and uh, spend some time really engaging together in this because we can talk to you and talk to you and talk to you, but, uh, but uh, allow the Holy Spirit to, to move. I, I think a lot of times when we say stand firm, there's that, ah, like 
I don't know how to stand firm, and I don't even feel like I can stand firm, especially when the storms come against us and things hit us. And I want you to hear this verse in Second Corinthians, or yeah, Second Corinthians, uh, and it's in the Passion, and I just I feel like it says it well here. It says, uh, this is verse 9, the second part of verse 9. It just says, for when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. Let me say that when we're, it's not in our strength that we stand firm. It's actually in our weakness that we stand firm with Christ actually being our strength. So there is a difference in like, I can do this. I'm going to just stand and I'm going to stand firm. No, it's not about you and it's not about your strength. It's actually in your weakness uh, that you stand strong in him. He is our strength. And so, so don't get caught up so much in the, trying to fight things on your own. It's actually, we stand firm in our faith. We stand firm in that, in knowing who he is in us. It's actually, I was talking to Tracy about this before, and uh, there's either, there's either two, there's one of two places you're going to, how you're going to stand. You're going to either stand in a place of fear, or you're going to stand in a place of faith. And so, if there's fear, if there's things of doubt, uh, then then that's that place that actually allows the enemy to have access in, and he can knock you out from under your feet there. He'll take your feet out. Uh, but when you stand firm in your faith, in who he is in you, that's the strength that you have. And then so flip over. Well, I'll just flip over because you, if you don't have a passion version, this won't work. Uh, but in, in Ephesians, we were just talking about it, Ephesians 6.10, in the, in the Passion, it says this, be supernaturally infused with strength. Not in your own strength. It says, with strength through, the, through your life union with the Lord Jesus. So this is our strength. It's that abiding in him. We talk about how it says outside of that, if you don't abide in him, you, you have nothing, you can do nothing. So... It's that supernaturally infused with strength through the life union with the Lord Jesus. And then the next verse says, stand firm, or the other translation is stand victorious in or with the force, or the other translation is with the weapons of his explosive power flowing in and through you. So I hope that kind of just gives it a little more. It's his explosive power, and it's his weapons we actually just get to take hold of those things, and that's where our strength is. The, the third area is we talked about kind of that live and the play, and it's live, work, play. The idea is, is we stand firm in everything that we have, uh, in, in all that we do. So in the work area, and I love what Rachel did on, on this past Sunday. She shared on Sunday night. It just stirred my heart. I'm like, this is it. We go out and we do the reconnaissance mission. We go out and we, <laughs> we go meet our neighbors, not to just be nice, not to just be friendly, because we love them, because we actually care about them. And what we're doing is we're finding the very thing that we can pray into, that we can begin to speak into their life and begin to change the atmosphere and begin to change the trajectory of their life. And so this is what Rachel was doing. And, and that's in the home. I feel like that's, that is your home. It's your neighborhood. Call that. That's all your home. Your home is not just inside your home. That is your home, but it's also your neighborhood, your area that you, you live. Uh, you live in your neighborhood, and you probably wave to your neighbors, uh, but I would encourage you to step out and do a little more. 
the work part is another area. And I know uh, Marcus was talking about that. He's like, I've never actually been in work. <laughs> like it's been in ministry. Um, me, on the other hand, and, and Tracy, my, my whole, most of my career, most of my life has been in work. I've uh, been, you know, in engineering and uh, development and working with uh, um, real estate. And, and uh, so that, that's been my, my work. And I say I, I, I haven't always done it well. So I'm not going to tell you the success story. I'm going to actually tell you the failure story. Uh, two of them, real quickly. One, this was, I was a civil engineer. I was working in, in uh, Kansas City for a company called Black and & Veatch. And, uh, and uh, know the Lord, praying, going to church on Sunday. And uh, there's a guy who's, uh, so I, I'm over a team, uh, and we're doing a, a wastewater treatment plant. And our architect, uh, he was going through a divorce. And uh, his name was John. And uh, I remember going down and talking to him a lot. You know, we're talking about the work and the, the project that we're on, and we have to coordinate on things. And, and uh, he's doing his plans, and we're coordinating together. And, but there's also those times where we're spending just talking together and uh, communicating. And, and here's the thing is, is I look back on that situation, and he's going through a hard divorce, and you can see he's struggling. It didn't take a spirit of discernment to realize that he's really going through it. But I, but I still just stayed on the surface. I was still kind of just talking small talk with him. And, and I never really got to the deeper things and started to pray for him. And I'd pray for him, but not with him. And I didn't speak things into his life when I had the opportunity to speak things into his life. He was open and, uh, and uh, hurting. And I came to the office one morning and, uh, and went down and was going to talk with John and he wasn't there, and I was like, where's, where's John? And, and uh, they told me that he had actually taken his life uh, the night before. And I'll tell you, it, it, uh, it so hit me that I had so many opportunities to just maybe speak life to him in just those, in so many, many moments. And, and I feel like the Lord gave me so much opportunity and there was part of me that said, well, I don't want to put Jesus in his face. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, uh, I don't want to offend him in any way. Look, Jesus is the rock of offense. <laughs> he is. He is offensive, but he's so good. And if we don't get out and share that, if, if we don't stand firm in that, uh, and I feel like this is our opportunity to stand firm in our faith where we actually get to share Jesus with people that are right in front of us that are hurting. And we never know what may be happening behind the scenes. I'll tell you a quick other, other story. This was just a few years back, 2012 probably. I was in Houston. Um, so I'm the, I was the uh, vice president of a company down there. We're doing development, have an amazing team. And this guy, Ignacio, he's, uh, he was over all of our kind of marketing and uh, just amazing man. He's from uh, Argentina. And, uh, and he had we were he was playing handball and he had he had uh, hyperextended his his arm and uh, he had it in a sling and two years before that I was miraculously healed after being really stupid and thinking I could do MMA uh, mixed martial arts uh, and uh, going up against a guy in uh, jujitsu and and not tapping out and uh, the guy snapped my arm and I ended up in the emergency room and long story short. I was miraculously healed the same day. So they did the x-rays. They did everything. They said, you're out for six months or four to six months. And, uh, 
And that night, I was miraculously healed, doing, like, push-ups on it and showing my wife. And she's like, don't re-injure it. I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's healed. (laughs) So I tell the testimony. So here I am a few years later down in Houston. Same thing happens to this guy, not through MMA, not as dumb as I was, but but playing handball. And, uh, And I'm like, oh, here's my opportunity. But I, and I felt the Lord, like, say, kind of push me into this. And I'm like, ah, I'm not going to do it. And I made a deal with the Lord. I'm like, Lord, if no one else is in the office and it's just him and me, I'll do it. And the, the next day, it was about 6 o'clock at night, and I was walking through the office, and everyone was gone except for Ignacio. <laughs> I was like, no, not the next day. So, so I did it. I walked in, and I was like, Hey, I, I, I got to pray for you. And, and he didn't even know my faith. This was, and I didn't even, he knew I was a believer, but just I'd never really shared my faith with him. And so I came in and I told him the story of what the Lord did in my life. And I prayed with him. And, uh, and I thought, oh, this is going to be cool because God wanted me to do this. He's going to get healed. And nothing happened. Next day, I was like, came into the office. I was like, how's your arm? It's like, yeah, it still hurts. <laughs> Nothing happened, and I was so bummed. I just thought, man, okay, Lord, I did my part, and you didn't do yours. And, uh, and, uh, and it, was, it was about a month later, and Ignacio came to me, and he had just had a baby. And, uh, and he said, hey, will you, will you pray for my, my new baby? And uh, he goes, I want to tell you something. I haven't told you this. He goes, but when you prayed for me a month ago, he goes, I came home, and I told my wife uh, what you did. And he said, we both just cried. And it so impacted our lives. And, uh, and it just opened this communication that we had from that po- moment forward. And I got to share just the love of Jesus with him. And I got to pray with his newborn baby and, and just impact their life. And it came in a different way than I expected. So I want to encourage you that, that this is our opportunity to stand firm in our faith and to share the love of Jesus. And we do it in our home. We do it as we get the reconnaissance mission and we begin to pray for people. We do it in our workplaces. Uh, we do it with our families, as Tracy was talking about. Uh, and, and, and we do it where we play. We're not going to go into that in great detail, but, but wherever we are, uh, we, we do it in the gym. We, we pray for people all the time in the gym, and it's so fun to see people healed in the gym. Ah, <laughs> Justin knows all about that um, as we were in the gym together. And, uh, but I just want to say, this is our time, and, and, and time is short. Time is short for us. Time is short for the... Uh, we don't know what the timing is, uh, but this is our time to actually rise up. Uh, we're, we are taking a, a beachhead. That beachhead is enemy territory. I believe we're stepping into enemy territory. Joshua 1 talks about this. Wherever you place your foot, I will give you that territory. The Lord says this to him. But then he says, be strong, be courageous. Do not be terrified and do not be dismayed or do not be fearful. But I, the Lord, am with you and I will be with you always. You hear it again in Matthew 28 where where the Lord's like, look, I am going to be with you always. But go, therefore, make disciples, baptize, teach, and I'm with you always. So I want to encourage you, as, as, and, and we're going to just break into groups here for a little bit. And I want you to, what I want you to do is just pray and ask the Lord together just for strategies and, uh, and what you can do 
to in your home. And maybe there's just one area you want to focus on. But either, and you can just focus on the home or the neighborhood or focus on your work and, uh, and how you can establish this with your, uh, with, the, with your coworkers. Do the very same thing that Rachel did in the home, going around the neighborhood. Go talk to your coworkers and just get to know them. Just kind of bless them, and, but strategically go in with, how am I going to pray for them? How am I going to begin to speak into their life? And just, you know, we call it prophecy, but it's, it's simply just hearing God's just thoughts over someone else and just sharing that. Just, you know, I look at Marcus and I just go, man, I just feel like, like there's just, you bring so much joy and so much wisdom in these areas. And, and that just begins to encourage him. When, when you're actually listening to the Lord and speaking what he's thinking over them, it begins to stir their heart. And what it does is it actually opens up a window of opportunity to share. And they may come to you when, when they're struggling with something and say, hey, can I talk to you about this? And all of a sudden, now you have an opportunity just to, to share the love of Jesus with them. So standing firm is not just between you and Jesus. This is actually what we do for those around us. We have to stand firm for them as well. So why don't you guys all stand up because we're going to get, we'll just get together and, and, and just get together with like two or three other people and just, just spend a few minutes just praying and asking again, asking the Lord in the live, work, and play. What is it? Where can you just improve? Maybe what, what is the Lord showing you? So, Father, I just pray right now. I thank you for this time that we've had uh, just to, uh, to stir our hearts. Lord, this is a time where there, is, there are enemies that is coming against us. There is a battle that we are in right now. Lord, I pray that we would stand firm in this time, that we would actually, it says in, in 1 Corinthians 16, it says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, and be of courage, be strong, and do everything in love. Lord, I pray that this would be the way we live our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.